This has been my vehicle for personal growth. I mean, sports has been my whole life. I was basically a mute until I found volleyball. And then I found my voice and I found but some confidence. But you found volleyball very young. I was 10, right? yeah, and I was pretty shy, you know, for a while after that. But it just gave me a sense of self, you know, and I really love the team atmosphere. And I just, I, I've learned from all these people I've been around, from all these situations I've been through um, traveling the world. I mean, I've, I have some pretty good perspective and it's come at the hands of this sport. That is the great Carrie Walsh Jennings, and this is the Ritual Podcast. The Ritual Podcast. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? Welcome or welcome back to the show, the show where I get intimate and go long form with some of the most intriguing thought leaders, high performers, and positive change makers all across the globe. Conversations designed to help all of us unlock and unleash our best, most authentic selves. I appreciate you guys tuning in today for sharing the show with your friends and on social media. And of course, for always using the Amazon banner ad at richworld.com because like it or not, the holidays are upon us, and I imagine many of you out there are using Amazon to buy gifts. Uh, if this is the case, it would mean a ton to me, to us, to our team. If you first click through the Amazon banner ad on any episode page on my website, richroll.com, uh, it'll take you to Amazon, buy whatever you're going to buy, and it will not cost you anything extra. Amazon does kick us some loose commission change and that really helps support our mission here. It's a win-win. So I appreciate everybody who has made a habit of doing that. Thank you very much. Okay. Incredibly excited to have Kerry Walsh Jennings on the show today, uh, beyond being the most dominant and most decorated athlete I have ever had on the show. She's just delightful. She's totally engaging, super fun to talk to and bursting with inspiration and just great practical advice. Uh, by far the most successful beach volleyball player in the sports history, Carrie really doesn't need much of an introduction. Uh, if you watched the Rio Olympics last summer, it was impossible to not see her everywhere. Uh, but for the few out there who maybe you've been living off the grid, I don't know, maybe you're not familiar with Carrie, there's gotta be a couple of you out there. Here is just a taste of who she is and what she has accomplished. Uh, Carrie is a five-time Olympian. Been to, she's been an Olympian for 20 years, so I'm not sure who else has been to five Olympics other than Michael Phelps. There's probably some people out there, but there are not many. Uh, she's also a three-time Olympic gold medalist and one-time Olympic bronze medalist. She got the bronze in 2016. She is the most decorated beach volleyball Olympian of all time. Carrie and her longtime teammate, Misty May Trainer, have been dubbed the greatest beach volleyball team of all time. Together, they won 21 consecutive Olympic matches and only lost one set during their 11-year run together. Insane, right? And to top it off, she's also married with three kids. And it's all coming up quick, but first... Hey, everybody. Like me... Inside Tracker wants to help you start the new year right. So they're thrilled to help support the Living Proof Challenge, the no cost, science based habit building program designed by my well being wizard brother, Simon Hill, to specifically up level the most important biomarkers that drive health span 
that drive disease prevention, physical fitness, and mental well-being, courtesy of a doable, evidence-based 12-week program elaborated upon in length in my conversation with Simon that dropped January 1. That's RRP 804. If you listen to that episode, then you know the program entails comprehensive blood testing at both the commencement and conclusion of the challenge. And nobody handles blood testing better than Inside Tracker, who are graciously encouraging everyone to join the no cost challenge by offering a 25% off discount on Inside Tracker tests. To unlock the discount and learn more about this challenge, visit theproof.com slash livingproof. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm going to tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia. And he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions. I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients, faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story. But basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. Okay, like I said, Carrie was just, she was fantastic. What can I say? This is just an amazing conversation with one of the greatest athletes on planet Earth, period. It's a conversation about how to think about winning and losing. It's about the crucial role of effective communication in both sport and relationships, we talk about avoiding burnout and the importance of loving what you do and striking the right work-life balance as the ultimate strategy for career longevity and success. We talk about teamwork, mindset, flow. We talk about what it means to her to be a multiple Olympic gold medalist and the power and responsibility of being a positive role model. And also we talk about the importance of taking a stand for what you believe in. So. I just have so much respect and admiration for Carrie, not just for her athletic achievements, but for her 
positive attitude and mindset for how she lives her life on a daily basis. And I just adore this conversation. So without further ado, please enjoy this exchange with the great Carrie Walsh Jennings. Just roll right into it. Are you good to go? I'm good to go. I'm so happy to talk to you. Thank you. It's been a long time coming. I appreciate you opening up your your beautiful home. You just built it. We did, yes. We've been here for about two months and a bit. Uh So we're still waiting on certain pieces of furniture and art and stuff. But um, yeah, this is our home. It's so nice. Thank you. We have a yard for the first time ever. I know you I like the little volley, kids volleyball court I know, out right? back right there. Kate, my husband did that. I know. We're we're trying to we're trying to have like a we don't want to leave this house basically. So uh-huh. we just put a gym in the garage and you know we got the volleyball court in the back, a mini one. Um because this is like heaven. You know, yeah. we don't want to leave. And you're like just a little over a mile from the beach, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's so close. Right. We have a golf cart that we take down once in a while. Really? Yeah. Well, I had a bike, but I'm just a liability on a bike. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so yeah, but we, we drive most places. But yeah, we're in a perfect spot. Manhattan Beach is a pretty special place. Yeah, it's cool. It's weird how you can live in Los, An- in, in Los Angeles and have a completely different lifestyle depending upon what area of LA you oh live in. Gosh. Because I live on the other side of town. It's you know, unique and beautiful for different reasons, but yeah. it's different from living here, you know? Oh, totally. And I think the South Bay is its own universe. It's it its is. It's own like little cloistered world. Sure, well, same as Malibu. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Malibu to me is heaven. I mean, I grew up in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and so like redwoods and trees and space. Um, and so when I go to Malibu, I'm like, oh, I can breathe. A little yeah. bit more, but I do love Manhattan Beach. This community specifically is really, really special, and the beach cities in general. Um, you know, there's always something to do. Right. But I do really appreciate the peace and the quiet. We're a little bit more east, so we're a mile from the beach, but you get a little more space over here, a little more quiet, mm-hmm. less like hustle and bustle. Right. But you've you've been living in this area for a long time. Yeah. 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 I when I graduated Stanford, I drove down and I lived in Huntington Beach for my first kind of six months to a year, and then um, Casey and I moved up here together, Manhattan Beach and then Hermosa, Redondo, right. now Manhattan again. So I, I was telling you before the podcast that I drove down here, I woke up really early, so I just thought, oh, I'll just beat the traffic and come down here and I can get my workout in and kind of wrap my head around what I want to talk to you about. And I was running along the Strand, and I know that it, it, for people that don't know, there's sand volleyball courts like all over the beach it's around so here. so cool, yeah. But it's pretty intense. Like this is not like, it's not your normal, like sort of beach volleyball crowd. Like it's serious business. Oh, totally. And specifically the nets that are set up kind of right at the border between Hermosa and Manhattan, right? (laughs) Like that's the sweet spot (laughs) where where all the pros go. And I was running by there and I was thinking, oh, I I was actually looking to see if maybe you were out there playing. There were already some people out there early this morning, but that's that's there. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, with surfing with the waves, right? Like, is it like a locals only scene? Like how does, what's the pecking order when you go down to the beach in order, I mean, you're the queen, right? Uh, but like, well, if, like I couldn't just walk down there and say, "Hey, you want to play?" Right? <laughs> well, ideally, you'd be able to do that. But if you go to certain spots, like the spot you mentioned, 24th, 28th, and Hermosa, um, I train around 15th Street in Manhattan Beach, and then uh-huh. the pier at Hermosa. Like that's like the real deal, serious. Um, if you see people with their game faces on, just let them be. Right? Don't Leave call next. Don't, like, try, <laughs> to, try to like butt in on the game or anything like that. <laughs> exactly. That's not going to work. But um, we get challenged, you know, here and there, like a couple times. 
year and it's so fun. It's so fun. Um, but I really, I really love that there's nets as far as the eye can see, you mm-hmm. know, and it's just, to me, it's so silly when people get frustrated about their court, but, but I get it. Yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah. don't really mess with our court. We've been on our court for so long now. Uh-huh. Um, whenever we have a random practice on a Saturday, usually we practice Monday through Friday. Once, once in a while we'll go on a Saturday and the crew that's been there for 30 years, like we get evil eye, we get like dagger shot at us. Like if looks could kill, we would be dead because right. we're on their court. They've been, you know, owned it for 20 years. So right, right, I right. respect it very much. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I also went to Stanford. I'm quite a bit older than you, but I was friends with some of the women on the, on the volleyball team there. And, and I can remember one, one like spring break, like a whole bunch of us came down to this area and the, some of the most fun that I would have is watching these women kind of like walk up and sheepishly ask if they could play volleyball with some guys (laughs) and like try to play it like, you know, low key, like they don't know what they're doing. And then just get out there and just dominate. That's so like rad. Crush the Total dudes. sharks. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was like, we should be betting on this. Totally. Make some money. Yeah, you yeah. know, Stanford's a very, very special place. Yeah. I really love it. And um, yeah, I love that you went there. That yeah. I just feel like we have a connection right off. Yeah. It's a it good was, thing. Well, not only that, we were both American studies majors. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so um, American history related. was my... We totally are. <laughs> God, we're both tall and lean yeah. and we got kids. <laughs> I wish I was tall as person. you, six feet of sunshine. I know, six two and a bit. Yeah, so Plenty your husband tall. gave you that nickname. Yeah. He did, uh-huh. yes. Cute. And it was cute coming out of his mouth. And then, you know, when you read it, you're like, ah, I think I'd rather be known as something more of a killer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but no, I, I hopefully it still suits me. You know, I got my cloudy days too. Yeah. So how are you doing in the wake of uh, the Olympics? Did you enjoy some hmm. time off? Yeah, you know, after Rio, um, Rio was amazing in so many ways. And the lead, the four years, the three and a half year lead up was really, really special. Um, and I, it's crazy to me that it's come and gone. And I feel like I'm still hungover from Rio. I'm just exhausted <laughs> constantly. Yeah. And I can't, I haven't turned that corner yet. I'm like, am I depressed? No, I'm okay. I'm just tired. Um, so I'm just trying, I'm starting a cleanse today. Like, so I have no coffee today. So I'm sorry, Rich. Uh-huh. Well, you have I to deal like with all these have, things. Right in front of you, you have three different <laughs> containers of liquids. <laughs> I, I see a smoothie, then there's something that looks hot. Yes. And, I got two uh, hots and one cold. So what is the cleanse? So standard process cleanse. I've been doing this for 10 years. Um, it's 21 days. And the hardest part about it is no caffeine because mm. I got to, you know, clean my liver and my kidneys and all these mm-hmm. things. So that's my Achilles heel. But, um, you know, these are caffeine free teas and my chaga mushroom mix. Nice. So I'm just, you know, comfort food. Did you get, uh, is that the four sigmatic chaga? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm addicted. Best, right? Yes. Yeah, A little cacao stuff. powder. Oh my gosh. Um, do you know Taro from that company? No, oh, I should introduce you. Yeah. They're, they're super cool guys. Yeah. They I'm sure seem they'll like send it. you like tons of stuff. Oh, well, I don't, I don't mind supporting the cause. We just got it. Is it sunlight? There's one yeah. in Malibu. We uh-huh. just got yeah, one in Manhattan. Just, yeah, Khalil just opened Sun Life. Here. I am, am so pumped. Mm-hmm. Like they are making a living off of us. Yeah, he's a he's a good friend of mine. He's been on the Is podcast he? twice. Oh, good. Yeah. It's so rad. Like there's so much good stuff going on in the world right now. And there's so much inspiration. I mean, there's obviously so much noise about, you know, the tough stuff going on. But mm-hmm. I see so much light and so much, you know, just... I'm getting guidance, you know, from Sun Life and from listening to podcasts. And I'm just, I, I'm so inspired. And um, yeah, so this cleanse is part of being inspired and trying to round that corner of tiredness and yeah, feeling exhausted. But um, yeah, and you've been part of my process too, listening to your podcast oh, and everything. I so I appreciate that. I Thank appreciate you. you. Yeah. 
So, uh, so speaking of podcasts, yes. uh, of course, as I'm wrapping my head around uh, how to approach talking to you, who's the person that I call? I call our mutual friend, Gervais, <laughs> Michael. Oh, no. And uh, I'm like, oh, Michael, well, I sent him an email. I'm like, Michael, uh, he knew that we were going to talk. And I was like, I'm, I'm meeting with Carrie tomorrow. I, you know, I don't want you to, you know, transgress, you know, don't, I'm not asking you oh, to just divulge. Oh, deep star secrets? No, it's just like, <laughs> like, if you're comfortable, you know, giving me some tips on, on what I should talk to her about beyond the obvious, you know, what would you say? Oh, that's uh, nice. And he said, ask her about winning and losing. Oh, doc. So that's a pretty broad subject matter to launch into, right? I so mean... maybe in order to frame it, winning and losing, your perspective on winning and losing, and, and maybe how that's evolved or changed over the years. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I can take this down to a pinpoint. It doesn't seem that broad to me. It's either you do or you don't. Um, but recently, it's become winning has taken on different meanings to me. You know, you can still lose and you can still win and be gold and all these things. And not just because I just won a bronze medal in Rio, but because life is so much more than about winning, you know, or losing. Mm -hmm. I just got asked the other day, do you like winning more or do you hate losing more? And I said, of course, I, I love winning more. Like mm -hmm. I would have retired 15 years ago or I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even have started playing sports if I hated losing the way I love winning because I love winning so much. Mm -hmm. And that's just a positive driving force for me. So, um, you know, I think it's so funny that Doc told you to talk about this because with him, like we're in this room together and we've done a lot of work, yeah. um, a ton of work and most of it on the personal side of life, not the career side of life. Um, but he he always wants me to talk about losing. <laughs> I'm just Why? like, I don't know. I'm like, it's there. Like, I get it. I don't need to talk about it. I don't want to put any thought, any power, any energy toward that. You know, I just, I want to go win a gold medal, period. And I think for him, he doesn't want me to make a, you know, it's A, it's not about the end result. Like he wants me to live every day and mm -hmm. enjoy the process, all these things. Um, but I think the fear, and he doesn't want me to trap myself into being, it's all about this thing. And it's, I don't want to create a, you know, a monster. If I don't win, my life is over. It's, that's my identity. Or when I, you know, when it comes time to go and compete, I have this monkey on my back that I've created. So um, I appreciate that part of it. But at the same time, I'm like, I, you know, I'm an athlete. Of course it's there. Right. Um, I acknowledge it. I respect it. And that's why I work my ass off to not, you know, have to talk about losing. Well, you're like this unique unicorn in the sense that, you know, beyond <laughs> being a five-time Olympian, you know, I mean, how many people are five-time Olympians? But besides know, Michael Phelps, I mean, there can't be more than a handful of people. Has I have any, no, I have no idea. Ten to five? Yeah, of course. I mean, of right. course. I met this a Paralympian this summer who literally, I think he's been to nine summer and nine oh, winter. Wow. Gnarly. Well, I guess if it, if you're from like an obscure country. I'll yeah, he was well, from maybe. Switzerland. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Not obscure, well, but not obscure, he has but more I mean, options. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of American athletes, I don't know how many others. There yeah, been. I don't know. Yeah. I'll look that up. Yeah, I'm, I'm in proud company for sure. Like I, I love being where I'm at. But, but the point I'm kind of driving at is that you know, for somebody who's been in sport at the highest level for such an extended period of time, there's naturally going to be ups and downs and, and seasons where you're losing and not performing at your peak, peak, et cetera. Yeah. But, but you've maintained this winning streak for such an extraordinarily long period of time that, that, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Like there, I, I don't know who else 
you know, other than Michael Phelps, there is to, I mean, he's had his ebbs and flows much more than you have. Like you've sort of maintained this like crazy winning streak, right? So going into Uh, Rio, like does the pressure escalate? Does it get easier or does it get harder? Yeah. Well, I just, I mean, that's why, why I play is I don't, I love that pressure and I love, I love training every day so hard with my crew so that when I get to the game time, you just press play. Like that's the ideal, Mm -hmm. um, that I've, you know, I've addressed every situation that come at me in practice so that I'm prepared to play. Um, but I just, I adore it. It's like halfway, you know, last year with April, um, just on a side note, I was like starting to get really stressed out and I'd be a little bit aggressive and I'd kind of bark. And, um, it was more like a fear of, of losing. And I was talking to Mike about it, to doc about it. And I'm just like, you know, he's, I was like, you know, we're in these tight moments. I feel this. And when it's tight, I feel this. He's like, hold up. He's like, just take a moment. He's like, we need to reframe this because you're making this a tight moment. He's like, look at it as a competitive moment. And I swear to God, right when he said that, I was like, ah, like it, there was so uh-huh. much load unburdened. So I feel like just your mindset in certain situations is, is everything really, you know, especially at the highest level, everyone's physical, everyone can jump and hit and have, it has a skill set. But if you have this mental framework where you can be, you know, have these tools to kind of chill out a little bit, that's ideal. Right. Um, but for me leading up to Rio, I felt so good. You know, in Rio, I felt so good. Obviously, the intensity, and there's nothing like it that I've ever experienced. Um, It's just a constant. It's kind of like parenting. It's just constant. The energy is constant. You know, there's no break. It's not like old hat, like, oh, here we go again. I'm used to this. No. Oh, my gosh. Right. No. I mean, do you feel like that with all the races you've run? No. I mean, I'm not even going to, like, go there in terms of comparing my experience to what you've experienced. But but I I, I can imagine, you know, you go in with so much more so much more like you're going into your fifth Olympics, like, you know, the drill, right? So like opening ceremonies, things like that might not be as heightened an experience as it would be for a 19 year old at their first. Yeah. Yeah. But I really have appreciated every Olympics for their own unique flavor. And Brazil was a different beast all on its own. And they did a really, really great job. I, for the first time I didn't walk in opening ceremonies, uh, most, mostly because logistics, like it was going to be hours and hours away Mm -hmm. driving and then standing on my feet. And we played the next day at midnight so plenty of time to rest and recover but the like i you know i've I've been there like you said i kind of took the pressure off myself i watched it on tv um but no i love it like the olympic spirit to me is one of the most beautiful things ever it's so amazing oh my god it's everything it's so unifying and inspiring and you know when you have a down moment you look up and then you're inspired again and it's really really special and, and this pressure that you enjoy shouldering so much, yeah. do you feel like, and this is another Gervais type question, sure. but does that come, like, does the, does the, the drive and the motivation or the, the sense of purpose come from an internal pressure or is that more of an external hundred percent internal yeah yeah i mean in the you know as i've kind of gone through the ranks um it's changed because it used to be i used to let the noise get to me and you know newspaper article get to me or other athletes you know and i I would compare myself a lot to other people being like i want to do what she does and i want to jump that high and at some point i just dropped all that because that's just a it's limiting um Mm -hmm. b it's you know you're defeated right away because i'm not that person and so that was a great lesson for me it also seems like it would be unsustainable over the long run because you're, you're, 
you're subject to the whims of other people, right? Like if you're, yes. if you're driven internally, like you can keep that a constant flame. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have a little bit more control over it. I love being accountable to myself. I love being, you know, self-sustained. Like I don't, I don't want to have to rely on everybody. I have a rad, rad team around me that I do lean on, but like I pride myself on being, being able to take care of my Mm -hmm. SHIT. You know, I really, I really want to do that. And I want to do it at a very, very high level. Um, and so the internal drive is, is important to me. I mean, sometimes I'm having a tough day. I don't want to get out of bed early and it's like, okay, who am I doing? Like, who am I doing this alongside? And you know, my team is so rad. I can't let them down. That stuff comes in once in a while, but 99.9% .9 of the time it's like, I I'm doing this cause I, I absolutely love it. Right. And I want to be the best that I can be. Um, and if I do that and work my ass off in all these different areas, then I like our chances. Yeah. I'm interested in the dance and the flow that takes place with the partnership aspect of what you do, which so I, you know distinguishes your sport from essentially every other sport, right? You have to yes. have a rhythm and a language and an intuitive communication mm -hmm. with your partner that you know, exceeds anything in order for you guys to, you know, accomplish what you seek out to accomplish. It's so special, you know, kind of growing up in the team sports world for my whole life um, and getting to beach volleyball when I was 22 a little bit later. Um, I was, I was so ready for that change and I, beach volleyball is so special because it's just you, yeah, you and your partner, like you said, against the world. And so it's like, I am, I need to be so legit and so on point for myself. Right. Um, but I also have to rely on my partner. And so that level of intimacy and community communication and willingness to be vulnerable with this person and to, you know, bust through walls with this person. That's like the, my most favorite part about it. It's pretty empowering and it's rad. And I've been so blessed in my career to play alongside just the best. And so how did you manage the transition away from Misty over to April? From mystical, you know, Misty and I had 12 years together, 12 seasons together or more. I haven't even done that math, but I mean, um, that's got, you know, has to be almost like a marriage. Right? It was, I mean, how does and that I work? miss her so much. It's just, you just do it. Why oh, she, she was ready. <laughs> I know she was so ready. Uh -huh. I get that quite every, like, I get, I get that question quite often. Um, but she was ready. She grew up on the beach literally. So mm -hmm. from the time she was born until she retired at, you know, 36 or whatever it was, um, she just gave her heart and she was ready and she had a has beautiful baby and, you know, wonderful husband and, um, she's doing what she's doing now and she's so happy. So, but the transition was so easy. It was like, cause April and I, I feel like when you have a level of respect, you know, you have a common vision, that's a, what a great place to start. And then April and I, um, obviously as athletes, you know, we're, we're pretty decent and we're always striving to get better, which is great. Um, so we hit the ground running when April and I made the transition and it was after a year where the wheels fell off to a certain extent. Um, what does that mean? Just like we weren't winning as much as I thought we could be. We, we both knew we could dominate because we have all the skill set. We're both physical. We have the drive, you know, we're a unit. Um, but there's a level of intimacy and trust, um, especially in those competitive moments that you have to develop. Mm -hmm. And what I found for the first like year and a half or after the first year, the next year together, we in, in crunch time in competitive moments, we would go back, we would revert to what we used to do with our old partners, which was total opposite of mm -hmm. what I would do with Misty and she would do with Jen Kessie. And so we had to work our way through that. And there's only a way to work through that. And that's through competition. You can't, you know, practice your, your, you know, there's nothing on the line, you know, right. work you hard play until you found it. Right. You just, in, in those moments, you know, against the best in the and world. What was so it? we took was these a specific losses. thing. Um, 
Mostly, I think we were just both trying to please each other, you know? So I would, we, neither of us would really speak up and we would just kind of do, and April would go and be super physical on her serve. And, um, if that worked out great, but if it didn't, then I'm like, well, I'm, I'm here too. Like we got to figure this out. And I would go revert to the standard defense that I like to do. And, um, and she just came from a different world. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we just, it was just, it was like this much. We were like an inch apart you know, but that made all the difference against the best teams in the world. So, but it was so frustrating because it's like, why, why is this happening? We have everything. Like, it makes no sense. You know, we're mentally strong. We're physically amazing, not amazing, but you know, pretty good. And, um, but we just were losing a little bit too much for my taste and for her taste. Yeah. So you have to find that special mystical alchemy. Totally. Oh, it's so fun. It totally. And it's so unique to everybody. Like you could have the two best athletes in the world and it's going to take time to develop, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and that's the beautiful thing about our sport. Like I, April and I finished our season this year and it was our third season together. And I'm like, Abe, I feel like we're just getting started and not physically speaking, but it's just that alchemy. Like you're talking about, like we're finally, finally like coming together and the golden hue is coming out. Um, and so that's, that's my favorite part of all of this, right. the relationships and then building that, you know, greatness together. So the, the relationship with Misty was kind of defined as this perfect yin yang, right? Like yeah. you complemented each other perfectly and you had different strengths and, you know, et cetera, that made it all work. Mm-hmm. But if you had to describe how that alchemy works with April, like, what does that look like? Um, you know, Personality-wise, April and Misty are pretty similar, and that's where Misty and I were more opposite, for sure. Um, playing styles, you know, Misty was more finesse. I was more physical. Misty's just a master, like grandmaster at beach volleyball. I learned from her every day. April and I, um, we're both physical. We both kind of play a very similar game. Um, she, I'm pretty fundamental when I play. Like I just like ABCs um, and she likes the XYZs. And so we kind of had to kind of figure things out there. And she inspired me to be a little bit more creative um, and to go for that more. I always just thought like if you had to go for all these crazy plays, that means you're scared and you're trying to hopefully get lucky by creating an opening here. But now I see it as definitely a part of the skill set that's underused in my career. So, um, you know, but, and then I'm certainly a big, loud cheerleader. I, I think out loud. I talk a lot. April is very internal. Right. Um, she's super well, thoughtful. For anybody's watched. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I like go and attack my partner there's after so, every no, play. No, it's great. I mean, there's so much energy. You know, I think that's yeah. why it's such a fantastic spectator sport because yeah. it's like you can feel it and you're bringing everybody into it. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's really really special. And you know, when when I'd get a high five from Misty, it was like the sun like shining down on me. You know, God uh-huh. just gave me a high five. And April is kind of the same. You know, when she's like when we're interacting and talking and it's just it's amazing you know but that misty had an internal fire and april has an internal fire fire that is so legit and so powerful and i would never ever want to get in the way Mm -hmm. um so i yeah those two girls are warriors you know and they have different faces and it comes out in different ways but it's been it's been awesome to learn from them well, to kind of like walk a mile in, in April's shoes, I would imagine, you know, she walking into this relationship, you know, sort of in the in the wake of you being so dominant and successful had to be, I mean, was she 
I mean, she's an amazing player, so it's not, she's I don't want to say intimidated or anything like that, but like the expectations on her must have been very high. Yeah. Well, I think she's definitely internally driven and her expectations of herself are all that matters for her. And so she's very confident with where she's at. Um, I think she got sick of hearing that question. You know, yeah. how do you feel and what must it be you're filling in these shoes? And she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not filling in these shoes, you know, and she has so much respect for Misty. Um, that goes without saying, right. but she, April is very much her own person. And, you know, I'm not saying that there isn't, wasn't any added pressure or anything like that, but I certainly never looked at her that she was filling a role. Um, that was just vacated. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think she did that much either. Right. So I want to kind of unpack, uh, Rio a little bit more in depth. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm interested in, in kind of the, the mindset approach to dealing with, you know, losing a few games all of a sudden mm -hmm. and dropping some sets for that. I mean, you went into this, I mean, you hadn't lost a set in the Olympics, right? I we had lost like, one. Oh, you lost one. Yes. Okay. So over Austrians. three Olympiads, like you hadn't lost a single set, right? Sure. So then you go in, you know, it's not going perfectly well. And I think a lesser athlete could have folded under that. Like, oh my God, it's going, oh, it's going left. And, and that house of cards starts to collapse on top of you. So yeah. how did you you know, keep it together, maintain focus, oh, and, man. and, you know, ultimately prevail to bronze. I know we triumphed. That was a yeah. gnarly situation. Um, you know, I think I know my foundation is solid, um, for myself, for our team, we were solid. And so, and the world is so very good at beach volleyball and they have been for so long, but the past four years, the growth and the depth of the tour, we lost plenty. I mean, too much. Mm -hmm. So losing doesn't, I mean, it hurts your heart. You're like, ah, oh, damn it. And it kind of makes you a little bit headsy, but just for a moment and then you go back to work. And so, um, we've been there before is my, kind of my answer. Right. You know, it, I know the world, most of America hadn't seen us lose or me lose in the Olympics. Um, but I'm an athlete and it's just part of the job, you yeah. know, and it kind of just pisses you off more and you're like, I'm doing this even more, um, to lose the, and, and before we lost the match to Brazil in the semis, the tournament was magical. We lost one set against Switzerland. Um, and, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, we coulda beat him right. in two, coulda, um, coulda done that. But, um, it was, um, we were dominating against amazing, amazing teams, like crushing teams. And we were doing it all with defense and this fire and we were so in sync. And then against Switzerland, we got pushed, um, made a couple too many errors and, you know, they've made some great plays and all of a sudden we're in game three and we win 15, 12. And then we have another match or two. And then we play these Brazis who we've played so many times before. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they just came out like gangbusters. Right. Well, you handled the whole thing with a tremendous amount of grace and poise. Oh, good. You know? <laughs> and I'm sure you had to, oh, Rich, it was your, so hard, man. <laughs> I'm sure you had to weather a fair, you know, number of journalists, you know, uh, saying, what does it feel like to not win the goal? <laughs> you know, no, yeah. I know, but you know, it's just like, I still haven't really wrap. I don't have my verbiage around how it truly felt to lose mm -hmm. and to have to come back to play. Um, because the only thing I can relate it to is when we lost the semifinal match, we were up 1916, first of all, in game one, I mean, two points to win game one. That to me is match over, you know, like we just, <clears throat> that's a game changer and we lost and I had a really, really bad match, you know, the most fundamental part of my game of the game of beach volleyball, which is passing. And I just, 
I just was having a really tough time. That being said, we fought and we scrapped and, you know, we just came up short and it was a nightmare, a literally a nightmare. Um, in my head, when I was out there, I was just like, we got it. It's coming. We got it. Stay, stay calm. Shank to ball. Damn it. It's okay. We got it. You know, and that's kind of my self-talk. Um, but once it was over, it was like, holy shit, that went so fast. Um, what just happened and now what do I do? Mm. You know, and I can only relate it to, because my heart was so broken after that loss to when my husband and I were going through problems and I thought we we're getting divorced. Mm. Like I was devastated. Um, and it's obviously not that cataclysmic, like divorce, come on, that's times a billion. But um, I just, you know, I wanted that much. We worked that much and put so much into it that much. So it hurt that bad. So where do you go from here? From I know that here? you said like, everyone's like, are you going for 2020? <laughs> You're like, I can. I don't know if I will. Yeah, well. Is that still where your head's at? I mean, if I were to have to make a decision right this second, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. And I'm all in to go win gold. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, at Like two weeks after I get, got back from Rio, I said that to my husband. He's like, stop. <laughs> I can't hear that. <laughs> It's been so hard. And so that kind of took me back. I was like, oh God, it's not just me. And so if I, I'm pretty, I want to go. I mean, I really do want to go, but you know, family and husband come first for sure. And if yeah. Casey's like, babe, it was too hard and we missed you too much. And we, we lost connection too deeply. Like it's not worth it. Um, but moving forward, if I do go for the next four years, I want to do it like I've never done it before, you know, what does that mean? which means I want to, I want to really work to take advantage of this lifestyle that we have. Cause it's an amazing lifestyle. We travel the country, we travel the world playing beach volleyball. We have the opportunity to do it together. My husband and I and the kids, mm-hmm. and we just have never taken advantage of that. Um, and you know, I, I want to pick and choose my battles a little bit more. I got hurt in 2015. And so 2016, I was gone. Like I had to play in every single tournament. We had to qualify. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ideally that situation wouldn't happen again. But um, no, I just, you know, I just, it's really important to stay connected with, you know, those who matter most. And that's my husband and my kids. And um, I just know we can, we can do both, but I have to, you know, I have to get my husband on board. Time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, I love it. I like, this has been my vehicle for personal growth. I mean, sports has been my whole life. I was basically a mute until I found volleyball and then I found my voice and I found some confidence. But you found volleyball very young. I was 10. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I will literally, yeah. And I was pretty shy, you know, for a while after that, but it just gave me a sense of self, you know, and I really love the team atmosphere. And I just, I've learned from all these people I've been around from all these situations I've been through, um, traveling the world. I mean, I've, I, have some pretty good perspective and it's come at the hands of the sport. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful to hear. And, you know, as somebody who, who has been playing at, at your level for so long, I mean, the longevity of your career is remarkable. In I and can't of believe I'm so old. It's the craziest <laughs> thing. Listen, I'm old. You're not old. No, no. Well, but, first of all, let's take that back. Cause we're both not old, but, um, I think old is, you know, when you're 105. Yeah. Everything's, you know, everything's changed. It's, it's weird. You know, when I was in college, like if, if, if you were competing after age 23 or 24, like it was like, it's what, crazy. Are you, what are you doing? I but know. now it's a very different world. It's beautiful. It's cool. I know. Look what you're doing. So, I mean, madness, what you do. I can't even, I can't even comprehend any of the ultras no, or it's nothing like what you do. I don't, I don't agree. <laughs> I get so, just a glutton for punishment, <laughs> but no, um, but I want to play and I want to play at the highest level. And mm-hmm. if I feel like I'm slipping in that regard, 
I'll have to think about things, but I feel like I'm not, I feel like I still have room for improvement, um, in every area. And, um, yeah, I just not done yet. Well, I think that that opens up the door to talking about work-life balance, yeah. you know, because you're not, you're, you're not old, but you're not 24 yeah, you sure. know, and like <laughs> single and just can just play all day long. Right. So you have three kids, yeah. uh, you have a husband, Casey, and, um, a life outside of volleyball. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so maintaining, you know, focus on the kids and the important things of life while also attending to what you need to do to, you know, maintain your career, uh, I'm sure it gets complicated. Yeah. And, and I know that, you know, Michael's been involved in that equation with you. Thank goodness. And I watched that video that you guys made when you kind yeah. of like, you were very candid and open about, you know, the struggles that you've had and, and how you've kind of, uh, you know, grown together through it yeah. to, you know, sort of congeal into this, you know, working unit that allows you to do what you do. But I can't imagine that that's been easy. Well, it's been a beautiful labor of love for sure. I mean, my whole life since, you know, I was born into an amazing family and we did everything as a family unit. Everyone within that unit chased their own dreams. Do you have brothers and sisters? I I have an older brother and I have two little sisters and a baby brother up in heaven. Passed away when I was seven. Um, But yeah, so I grew up in this family unit. My mother was one of eight. All her siblings had lots of kids. My dad was one of four, and we all grew up in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Literally within like three miles of each other, I had a million cousins and uncles. Like so that Irish was my Catholic? life. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. And some Italian in there. <clears throat> um, and so that was my life. And so that's just how I envisioned my life with Casey. And, you know, like we're each like having these dreams, dreams we're chasing, but we know we love each other so much and we're so connected through it all. And we live that way a good deal of the time. But when things are hard, things are hard. You know, and it, it's just so crazy to me how sometimes you have like a bad day or a bad week and it feels like it's been a bad year, you know, and I feel like that just comes with passionate people and people who you know, want the best out of life. Um, but Casey's amazing. We've been to hell together for sure. And we fought our way back. And um, and, and how did it's you amazing. like, how did you fight your way back? Like, how did you claw back from the brink to, you know, sort of yeah. be able to, you know, you know, have this intimate life where you guys can be mutually supportive of each other. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a very common thing. Irrespective oh, totally. of Olympics and whatever. Right. You know, like no, we're all doing the same damn thing. Yeah, <laughs> My so. gosh. No, it's just everyone's plates are just fully loaded, you know, and I, I love that about us. And um, for Casey and I, you know, the lead up to Beijing is when we started faltering and I didn't see it. Totally didn't see it. And, you know, I was because just on the road on, a lot. Like, yeah. Competing. And yes. Training. Just thinking I'm doing what I, I'm doing this. You know, I, 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 and Beijing was a different beast cause my head was down completely. I didn't enjoy one minute of it. I just labored. And to me, that was joyful to a certain extent because I love getting better and improving and winning. But for the life balance of it, I didn't have any. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, I expressed to Casey and I was close enough to Casey that he always felt my love for him. And, you know, like we're in this together, but he felt super isolated. And so that was a huge lesson to find out, you know, right before we gave, I gave birth to my son, Joey, you know, my husband's like, I I don't think I can do this anymore. We're not, we're not doing this together anymore. And It was gnarly. It was gnarly for him. It was gnarly for me. And um, I totally didn't get it. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, this baby's coming and well, you know, like we did this, you know, let's, th- this is just a rough pot- patch, but he had been living, you know, 
alone for a long time. And, you know, you just get disconnected if you're not working on it. And I never thought I took him for granted by any means, but I did, you know, I just didn't, I just thought he knew always where I was at. And so for me, you know, the hard work, I knew that I just, I wanted my husband back and I wanted him to see me for who I was and not for this, you know, image that he had construed in his head because I wasn't around. And and so um, we just went to work and Doc was a huge part of that, Gervais. And my very first day with Gervais, I am overdue with Joey. I'm literally having contractions in the chair. And he looks at me, he goes, what took you so long? And I just started crying. I'm like, I don't know. Uh-huh. It's like the question of my life. What took uh-huh. you so long? Um, but for me, it's just Casey and I were, I were just magic. And I knew that. And I never lost track of that. Um, and he had Gervais, which is one of my favorite things to tell people when you're going through hard times. He's like, if just one of you has the tip of your pinky toe still on the door, you still have hope. And I was all in and my husband still had that tip of his pinky toe in. And mm-hmm. so um, we just fought. You know, I worked on myself. We stopped pointing fingers, started looking in the mirror. I worked my butt off with Gervais and let go of a lot of baggage, you know, still working on that. But um, we just, we went to work. He's like, most people just don't do the work and you know, mm-hmm. it's easier to walk away. Um, and we really went to work and I'm really proud of it. What is, what does the work look like? Were there specific things that you did? Um, you know, I, a lot of one-on-one with Gervais for sure, just kind of getting to the heart of the matter for me and, you know, what are your hangups in life and how can we unburden you and unburden Casey and, um, the mutual work, you know, I God, I can't even, like, it's not like we went home with like homework, but like at some point he would have us like this one time he had us do a vision board. Um, we each did our own vision board next five years. You guys go and map out what you want to do, what you want to be. And I was so, and then we're going to share it in our next, next session. Mm-hmm. I was so afraid to do that and to share it because I'm like, what if my husband and I are in totally different pages mm-hmm. and there's this illustration of us not working. And I was so afraid. Yeah, that's scary. Oh my gosh. But we go and do this and, um, we were so on point we were so together and I feel like it enlightened Casey and opened his eyes and be like, Oh, I still know that girl. We still want the same things. Mm. And I was like, see you do. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know. So anyway, it's just stuff like that. Just to kind of just take off the blinders, you know, cause when you're, when you're in a tough spot, you, you the, the lens you look through gets really hazy and foggy and um, you just got to take those off and kind of be open-minded and open to the good stuff that's coming too. Yeah. And that was, that was the work. So there's this idea that, that, to be an athlete at the highest level, you kind of have to go into the cave and it's just all about you and your performance. You have to get very selfish and isolate yourself from other people and that's how you perform at your peak. Mm-hmm. In contrast to this idea that, you know, there's another sort of theory or way of living, which is right. that, you know, your your performance is better when your life is full, yes. right? Yes. And so one might look at your life and say, oh my God, it's so complicated with kids. Like, do you think that's undermining your ability to perform? And I know that you've said like, you think that you're a better athlete and perform better by having this unit and the responsibilities that come with that. For sure. I mean, I've lived in the cave and I've lived out in the cave, out in the sunshine. And I would, life is too short to be miserable and to be isolated. You know, I, my husband, um, I wish you were here. He could speak to this. He, when we were separated, he went to rehab and he went to work and, you know, I, 
I would kept thinking about how we got this way and, you know, how he got so sad where he was, you know, leaning on drinking so much. And it's just isolation. Isolation is a dangerous place when you're in a dark, deep mindset. That's what I've come to learn. Yeah. It's hard for me. Um, it was certainly hard for my husband and he, you know, you isolate from the people and the things you love most. And so I don't want to be in that cave ever again. And my life right now, it is, it's gnarly. Like I want to be the best I've ever been. And, but above that, I want to be connected to my family. Right. And so that juggle is really gnarly, but, but worth it. I have it. to be at the school at 10 a.m. No. <laughs> or the cupcake thing. I know. And, you know. But Rich, it's so doable. Like, I just feel like where there's a will, there's a way. And if you love it, you just do it and you make it work. And that's why the next four years, like, I, the past four years, so 2012 to 2016, I sprinted everywhere, like a damn dead sprint. We drop our kids off at 8.30. From 8.30 to 3, I would be sprinting, getting my three, three workouts in, my rehab, you know, the life stuff I have to do, the interviews, whatever it is, I would work so hard to be done by 3. And then I would go pick my kids at 3 so happy, and then I'd be like, damn, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I have nothing for you and nothing for my husband. And that was miserable. But I love, I love working. And so for me, that's joyful. But then I get home, I'm not doing what I want to do on the other other side and so the next four years however long I'm going to play that's done like I'm done doing that and I just need to I need to create my best life it's so possible you know what I'm saying yeah I do it's just you got to be know? thoughtful about it and mindful about it not just kind of be drug around yeah and I think it's you have to be flexible too because yes. every day is not going to be perfect and you wake up with this idealized notion of how the day is going to go and if you have kids and you're in a relationship like it totally. never it never <laughs> measures up to that idea and you can get resentful and angry yeah. and, and and push against that or you can just surrender to it and like try to be in the ebb and flow of the river that you're in right Absolutely. and just accept that you know it's not always going to be the way that you want it to be. Yeah. Um, but and there's be, beauty in that too. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. And that's a, I th that's like a, a journey, I think to, to get to that place. Yeah. And also, um, to, cause you could be like, well, I'm not, you know, if I do this and I'm not going to be able to perform, you know, right. Like, yeah. You know yeah. I mean? No, like, totally. I'm yeah, sure yeah. you've been in that. Mindset, I have. Right. And Absolutely. So nobody, nobody wants to be around you. Right? <laughs> what are you talking about? But I would imagine you had, you still have to winnow down your life. Like you have to get really clear on what you're doing Absolutely. and what your priorities are. Like you can't just, you know, sort of go out to lunch with your friends and, you know, go on a Netflix binge, you know, when you have goals that you're trying to achieve and there's kids that are waiting for you. Yeah. Right? No, so. I mean, the focus is there, you know, when you have mm -hmm. a purpose, you, you're focused and you're just gonna, and I, for me, I've gotten so much clarity, like every, like my, I've lived my life in quadrennials because I've been Olympian for so long, mm -hmm. you know, so every quad has been so different and I've just gotten more and more clarity of how I want to do things because I've lived these contrasting situations where I'm like, okay, that's not ideal. I almost lost my marriage. Okay. That's not ideal. I was every day, no energy at home with the kids. So I'm just learning as I go. And everyone, what I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big pleaser. And so I don't want to like, I don't want to impose on people, but I, my, my, my crew around me is so willing to work with me and to like move things around for me. I'm like, I'm just going to lean on that, you know, and everyone is so open and generous with me. Like I'm going to lean on that a little bit more instead of threading the needle every day. Uh -huh. I'm going to create this life I've been talking about and dreaming about. Um, and living in so many ways, but I'm actually going to execute it this time. And that like and gets what me is so that, excited. What is that like if you're saying I am living my best life and I'm going to execute on that? What does that look like specifically? It's enough time to breathe and just to be present. You know, if I like my typical day last year. So if it was my turn, drop off the kids, my husband, and I alternate, whatever it is, um, drop off the kids by 830, you know, sprint to practice 
have a cup of coffee in me, practice from 9 to 11.30. Not anymore, no more coffee. I know, 21 days, <laughs> shit. I'm, my energy's picking up though. After day three, I'm okay. Um, what day, is this day one? This is day one. Oh, okay. I know, You're and I fought with my husband it. this morning. You just oh. have me at bad angles. <laughs> Um, no, so I just, I sprinted. So I would just, I would literally, there'd be like half an hour to maybe 45 minutes between things. And so if one thing went over time, my whole day was screwed, right. you know, and push everything back. And so there's just, there was just a lot of stress. And then I'd get home with, you know, from three o'clock in the afternoon until seven thirty when my kids go to bed, that would be kid time. Amazing. But I wouldn't be present because I'd be so damn tired. Mm-hmm. So I just need to give myself some breathing room. And I can go have lunch with my husband a couple times a week and stay connected. Um, And I can come home with energy enough for my kids. I just, you know, I just need to lean on my people to help me figure out a schedule. Yeah. And you can't, you you can't be there for your kids if you're depleted. Like you have to take care of yourself. It's not, yeah. And that's not selfish. You know, I've learned that that's not selfish. And I, you know, I, I, this 2016 start out with a bang. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to have some uh-huh. me time. And I killed it. I killed it for like a month and a half, two months, maybe. And then my kid, like I would get up at four 30, like jazz. I'm like, this is rad. I'm like, I am present. I am capable of, you know, being nimble with my kids have a bad day or if I have to do something, um, that I wasn't expecting. And then my kids started getting up earlier and earlier and earlier. I'm like, this is nonsense. <laughs> I'm not doing this, <laughs> but you know, like, so my perfect day right now would be to, and it all starts with what time I go to bed. If I'm in bed asleep by nine 30, I can do anything in the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. I will be superwoman. I swear to God. Cause then I can wake up early and do a meditation, which I'm just so into right now. Um, and I want to be for my whole life. I'm learning the Wim Hof breathing. I'm oh, doing all that. I want to get into like a day in the life. Like, maybe we can just get into it now. I mean, yeah. what, what specific type of meditation are you doing and what does it look I'm like? I'm fumbling through it, but I just, I downloaded the, um, Oh my gosh, the Moses Code meditation music. Have uh-huh. you heard it? No. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So that's 20 minutes. Um, and I just, I listen to my music. I got my candle on and I'm sitting there uh-huh. in my posture. So there's and, no like specific methodology. No. no. I, I really, I'm really just trying to be there and to not to dance with, to, I want to dance with my thoughts a little bit, the bad thoughts I want to kick out. But I, it's a really creative time for me. But I do want to get more comfortable being in silence and in stillness because that's hard for me. If you can't tell from my yeah. my energy, um, and that just brings peace to everything, you know. And so I would ideally, I'd wake up between four thirty and five. I would do my morning ritual, have my warm drinks, my meditation, my breathing, you know, have breakfast ready for the kids, have a good hour with them before school, and then I'd go to work. Um, you know, I'd bust my butt on the beach with my coach. And so then, work is yeah. Let's let's like unpack like what the training is. Okay. So I have a couple of different trainings that I do. I have my beach volleyball training with my coaches and my partner. Sometimes I'm by myself with three coaches. Sometimes I'm with a, a lot of times with April and another team, or we play men or we're just going through training. A lot of touches. That's that for all goes down right at the two, beach two now. and a half hours. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. North of the pier in Manhattan beach. It's so do you so have fun. like, like crazy fans that come by and like are like watching you? And Not crazy to, fans. Trying to like distract you and stuff? No, uh, no, once in a while, you know, as Rio is getting closer, we'd hear USA like all the time. Right. It was so rad, but mostly people just sit up on that kind of on the hill uh-huh. and they'll watch, be totally quiet. And once in a while you hear some claps, you're like, oh, people are there. Um, but it's a pretty private setting for a public beach, you know? So um, people are rad. It's really cool. We like Pete Carroll rides by sometimes like, oh, that was Pete. That's, you know, and just, you just kind of get ramped right. up a little bit. Um, Connor Dwyer, like there's just some athletes that come by and just well, kind of gets you refocused. Uh-huh. Yeah. Stud. Um, 
and super enthusiastic about, you know, sports. And right. so that's kind of fun energy to be around. Right. Um, and we're playing on Holly McPeak's court. I don't know if you know her. She's a legend in I her know sport. Who she is. I don't know her. Superstar. Yeah. Um, and we're playing on her court in front of her house. So it's just an inspired place. But we'll be there. And my coach is Brazilian. And Brazilians don't train like any other people I know. And he is, he's in particular, he's just ridiculous. His brain is genius. And so when we go for an hour and a half, two hours, we're getting at least triple the touches of any other team on the beach. I have no doubt just Mm -hmm. the way he formats his drills. Um, and so we're busting our asses for, for that amount of time. So it's a combination of like scrimmage play and drills. There's a lot of, there's a lot of skills work within the drills. Um, we do a scrimmage play, you know, that's just on certain days, but for the most part, we're just getting touches on the ball mm-hmm. and certain, you know, he'll set up certain scenarios and you have to work through it. And there's a lot of wash drills and all these things. So it's competitive. Um, but you're not always against another team. Sometimes it's just, you're competing against yourself, right. which is so fun. Um, so that's two and a half hours in the morning. Max, max. Our coach is, you know, he's a fan of getting in, getting out, being really focused. Um, yeah, so that's in the morning. And then after that, I will either have Pilates in the studio um, which I do once or twice a week, or I'll do a beach workout um, with my Pilates instructor, Carrie, on the, um, on the beach and working on, you know, ladder drills and dynamic movement and flexibility, mobility, all these things. Um, I do fast twitch lifting, weightlifting twice a week what, with Tommy Knox. Um, but it's, you know, Tuesdays are your standard kind of Olympic weights, weightlifting, you know, you're doing deadlifts and squats and cleans, all these things. Um, and then Thursdays is more kind of crazy circuit work, body weight work, working on being really explosive and dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's down in Orange County. We've been, I've, since my first year on the beach, I've been with Tommy. He's just a genius. I love him with all my heart. Um, and so we're, and that's about an hour and a half that we're down there. So three hours a week we're lifting. Um, and then I, now I work with, uh, my trainer at the Bay club. Um, he's like a thoracic spine mobility specialist Mm -hmm. and he's, his goal for me is to create space where I'm lacking it and then fill it in with muscle. And just so I'm just so much structurally more in aligned and using my body, you know, how many of these things are like new in the last couple of years? Like how has this evolved? Just the last one is new just with Eric, with mm-hmm. my thoracic specialist. Um, but I'm, I, all of my experts that I lean on, they evolve so much every year. I'm never doing the same thing twice ever. Um, and they know me so well, you know, it's a luxury to go to my physical therapist and to Tommy at fast twitch, who's also my chiropractor and also puts me on the standard process cleanse, um, who knows me so well and just knows, you know, if I'm feeling this way, okay, let's attack it this way. Um, at the same time, they challenge me in new ways all the time. Right. So, so what do you think is the biggest sort of evolution in how you've approach your training, you know, perhaps maybe like 10 years ago versus today, like, you know, training techniques are always changing and evolving, Yeah, yeah. but is there like a philosophical difference or, you know, as, and also as you get older, I would imagine strength training and injury prevention type work becomes yeah. much more paramount. So with Tommy and Carrie and Eric, they're all my physical therapists as well. So everything I do is just you know, I'm taking care of that side of the coin as well. You know, I'm not, I'm, they're not crushing me. Like some trainers you go to and they're like, I want to make you throw up. I want to make everything burn and hurt. And I don't have one of those on me. You know, they just, they, they're consistent and it's gnarly, but it's really smart. And it's all about being in alignment and, you know, using my core and doing things right. Um, so I think the biggest shift over the past 10 years is just that realizing that recovery is a huge part of success. And the longer I play, obviously that's going to play more of a role. Um, I don't need to beat my head against the wall. I'm not 25 anymore. Um, I can just do it smarter. 
and and you've had like a bazillion surgeries on your shoulder, I have right? Just so five. Just, yeah, just five, <laughs> Damn right? It. So how does that influence how you <clears throat> approach strength training and and you know the 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 work that you do on the sand? I mean, do you have to be tender around it? Are you doing extra work? I attack it. To build it, it up? Yeah, know? certainly. I, I attack it. Um, I'm really working on just getting my my shoulder stable. It's it's very stable after my last surgery. I dislocated twice, which I had never done that before, mm. and that was not fun. Um, but once I got put back not in place, made to like pound the pound the ball for twenty five years straight. Yes, it is. I'm going to show you. It is um, <laughs> just a couple of surgeries. But no, yeah. So I'm just putting myself together. And what I learned after my last surgery, my shoulder didn't feel like it was part of my body, you know, because it was just on its own for so long. And so I'm just really trying to incorporate and know that the you know my big toe is related to my right shoulder and just you know use my body more so it takes pressure off. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why Eric is so important to me because I my thoracic specialist because he's just getting, he's getting me right. You know, I'm, I'm getting so much more power in my hips and stability in my hips and mobility so that, um, and in my thoracic so that all my appendages, there's so much power and there's more for them to re- yeah, lean on. Right. And in terms of recovery, like beyond sleep, are you doing specific things like massage or acupuncture? I mean, I know you can- I love all that cover yourself in kinesio tape. I know. Yeah. Which I appreciate. KT tape has Uh has helped me a lot for sure. I mean, it's not a magic bullet by any means, you know, but just turning certain muscles off and activating certain muscles, like I, and flushing certain things. Like I really believe in it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm a big fan of acupuncture for sure. Um, I love a cupping. Um, I don't do these things that often. I'm always joking. Like this was the Rio was the Olympics of cupping. Was it? I didn't see anything. Just came out of the clock. Yeah. It's weird when you're an athlete at the Olympics, you don't have the perspective of Mm-mm. what we're seeing because you're not watching NBC all right. day, right? But I can tell you that every time they went to a commercial <laughs> break, if they weren't showing beach volleyball, it was your face. Like you were everywhere. Oh, like it no. was crazy. That's obnoxious. No, but I mean, they were, look, you know, your they sport right. was front and center. Like it was Thank major. Goodness. I yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. that so much. But the other funny thing was that there were so many athletes with you know, the, the cupping marks all over them. A lot yeah. of the swimmers, but other athletes too. And everyone's like, what is this thing? That's hilarious. On, you know? Well, it's the same th- exact thing as KT tape in Beijing because people are like, oh my gosh, what is, what is Carrie wearing? She's wearing a bikini and all this tape. And they finally saw the tape, but the tape has been around forever and cupping's right. ancient. Yeah. You know, um, I just really like seeing all that jazz come up when you cup, uh-huh. you know, I feel like for sure it's working. I just did it for the first time a couple months ago. Would it you was think? great. Yeah? yeah. I really liked it. It's, it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And just the it's thoughts behind feeling. it, it really is. So funny story. I was in China once and, um, I had just had some knee pain and they're like, can we cup you? I was like, yeah, of course. Um, you know, you guys invented this stuff. I'm in right. the right hands <laughs> and I'm <expert>. sitting, <laughs> I'm sitting on this table and they spray my leg with this spray and then they do the fire and the cup and my leg catches on fire. Oh. It was the gnarly. And she, I was trying to put it out. She's like, no, no, trying to hold me down. I'm like, my leg's on fire. It was the craziest cupping experience ever. Um, wait, but so, I still don't wait, shy I don't away. Like, I don't know what she was spraying me for. Some kind of flammable liquid <laughs> yes. on you? That, like, it was so nuts. It was so crazy. She's like, don't worry about it. Like, she was like trying to like get me to not put the fire out. Uh-huh. And I was just like, um, hold up. Hello? <laughs> we got, we got yeah. some flames here. But yeah, that's a unique situation but um yeah i love all those modalities and i'm a big fan of body work i'm a huge fan i have a um a heller worker a rolfer that i work with uh dan ross in laguna and he works on my fascia like i just the more i learn about fascia the more it's i just Mm -hmm. feel like it's just where it's at and if we can kind of unbind all that then our systems can move more fluidly 
there's so much more power there. So right. uh, that would be my favorite thing to do as far as rehab is concerned. And then the mm -hmm. sleep and the nutrition mm -hmm. and the meditation. Yeah. Have you ever done like compression gear or Normatec boots or any of these weird things? I have. Like I don't do? love them. Do you do that? All no, that? I've, I've never used the boots. Yeah. I mean, I have compression. Just uncomfortable. Stuff, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, people swear by it. Yeah. You know, I feel like if it's good for your brain, then it's good for you. You know, to a certain extent, if that, mm. if this allows you to calm down and let your body feel like it's relaxing, that's right. great. But I, yeah, we call, we call the boots normies, um, the Normatec boots and yeah. I've done them a couple of times, but yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So two and a half hour beach workout, then some combination of these strength sort of appointments that you have throughout yes. the day. So you're doing like three workouts a day or two workouts? Two or three usually. Mm. Last year was more like three. Um, but my coach, nap, I just had a meeting. nap in the middle of the day? Never. No, I'm yeah. dead sprinting. For sure. Oh, and then, long. yeah, like when I go down to Orange County for Fast Twitch, I have my interviews and, you know, going down, talking to media, doing whatever. Um, so there's really never a moment to like eat while being seated <laughs> and right. not driving or just be quiet. Like really there's not. Um, and so that's something I'm really looking forward to changing. But I love all of my workouts and I love all my people and they're my family at this point. And so the thought of like cutting something out is not going to happen because um, I believe in all of our work we do together. So I just need to schedule better. Mm -hmm. And is there like a periodic schedule and how you approach the training in terms of like where it intensifies and, you know, rest and recovery weeks or days or, I mean, do you just go out at seven days a week or, you know, what does that look like over a calendar year? So preseason, in-season and post-season, all those workouts are very different. Um, I'm in preseason right now. I start competing early February. So we're going to start actually getting on the beach in a month. But um, yeah, so now I'm just start lifting weights, you know, trying to bulk up a little bit. And then as we get closer to actually being on the beach, we'll start being more dynamic and working on my agility, all these things. Mm -hmm. But I really lean on my, my people for that, you know, for the progression and for the evolution right. of the workouts. So Tommy knows what he does. Marcia, our coach knows what he does. You know, I don't want to go out on day one on the beach, like doing everything. Yeah. That's a, it's not smart for my body and B, I just, I want to build up and do it. Kind of get that foundation set and then go from there. So when you sort of look back over over your career, uh, you know, beyond whatever God God given talent that you have, like what do you attribute your success to or your longevity to? And 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 what might people not know, you know, beyond the narrative that you read in whatever, you know, website? Um, I think the longevity comes because I love it. Truly love what I do. Um, I love I love the growth, personal growth. I love the relationships I've developed and I love the lifestyle. I mean, it's just really beautiful. All and of those things. Not, how have you avoided burnout? I love it <laughs> with so all my heart. you've never waned, like you've never been like, I just need like, yeah. like what's the longest break that you've taken? Usually it's just an off season, you know, which is usually. And then you're ready to go. And then I'm always over. ready. Yeah. And during the always. off season, you just, do you ever just like do nothing? Usually for a month, mm -hmm. and which is pretty like hard. Go on vacation or something like that. Um, or be home and just do nothing. You know, uh, Tommy, our guy, he's like, you need to take at least two weeks off. At least two weeks off of everything. Let your systems recover, and that's always like pulling teeth. Um, but no, I'm you know I'm a physical person. I'm happier. I'm a better wife when I'm physical. You know, uh -huh. using my body. So, and and mommy. Um, yeah. So I don't like to stop that much. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, after Beijing. After my husband and I kind of got in our pickle, um, 
I had my baby and, um, or prior to getting pregnant, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I need more in my life. And Casey and I just started to start a family. And, you know, so that kind of filled in that, that hole I was missing. And it was the most beautiful adjustment and evolution that I've ever experienced in my life. And so, and then my other boy Sundance was born less than a year after Joey, they're mm-hmm. three days shy of a year apart. And so I had two years of, he, in, he was the one you were pregnant with when you were playing in the Olympics. No, that's scout. Scout. That's okay. scout. Yeah. And she's, uh, so she's badass, three and a half. By the way. So rad. Like, it was so early, but my I know, gosh. it's still like, I mean, it counts like, for sure. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's so cool. My favorite thing about that is when I, when I realized I was pregnant, I was doing an ice bath after a match my husband is in the room um in london with the boys like ordering room service at like one in the morning and i'm like hey babe i'm like i think i'm late and he looked at me he's like that's how or he yelled he's like that's how we do it and it was like that was it and we're like yay and then i told misty the next day and she's like am i supposed to be surprised (laughs) you know it's like but it was it's such a beautiful thing being a parent and being a professional athlete like it's it's a juggle that i love with all my heart. Um, but the, the success in my career has certainly been because a, I love it. Um, I'm willing to work for it. And then B, I, um, a plus is I'm surrounded by great people who make me better. And my teammates have been out of this world and my supporting staff is insane. So that's where excellence comes from. What do you think are the common mistakes that most athletes make as somebody who's around athletes has been around athletes for your entire life witnessing you know all manner of uh you know people doing well and people falling short of their of their potential like what have you observed or is there a commonality or a common theme Uh, um where you're like if they would just can't they just see if they just did this well i think be able to get over that hump or why are they still doing that Oh, you know, I don't, I don't really pay that much attention to people doing their thing really. Um, but what I do know of human nature and what I do know of my own experience, um, is that we get in our own way a lot. And that goes one of two ways. A, you think you have it and you know it all. And so you're not gonna lean on the experts and learn or B, you're going to limit yourself because you're afraid to push yourself out of this box. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's what I see happening sometimes, you know, with athletes, you know, they're like, no, I got it. I've been doing this for 10 years. I, I know what I'm doing. And there's, I mean, curiosity is like one of the best things in life. Right. The idea that, that there's, there's no room for growth or improvement right. anymore. Yeah, you've got it. And but and that you're so comfortable in your in your situation in the plan you've developed, like which is great. There's a beautiful thing there. But like never be afraid to grow, you know, and, and to be curious about different ways of you're gonna burn out so quick if you don't change things up. And then limiting yourself is just as bad. I love that you said earlier, like, oh, there's so many there's so many things that I can improve on and grow and Absolutely. And, and that's great. That enthusiasm and that understanding, that knowledge, uh, that awareness that you do have that room. Oh man. I mean, what yes. are, what, if you were to analyze, you know, what your Achilles heels are or, <sighs> or wh- what your weaknesses are, like, where's the focus? Like, where are you looking to grow and expand and not, not just on, not just on the sand, but yeah. in life? Well, I think it's all, all my life stuff will enhance my court stuff for sure. So getting comfortable in the silence, creating silence in my life and the stillness, I honestly believe that that will pay dividends on the court, like no doubt. I will just be un, 
can I say a bad word? I already have already. Say whatever you want. So have you seen that thing on Instagram where it just says unfuckwithable? Yeah. (laughs) I just Uh really want to be unfuckwithable (laughs) all the time. And I feel like if I create this, you know, this safe space for myself, and if I really just take care of myself the way I really want to, um, then I will be unfuckwithable. And so just the mindfulness and the meditation and the silence, like I was talking about, Mm -hmm. um, Man, but I'm addicted to growth. And I had this conversation with Gervais, like after Casey and I got through a hard time, um, I'm like, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid to stop growing because I never wanna, I just don't wanna be stagnant and I never wanna be in the situation that we're in. And he's like, he's like, you're not. He's like, you just, you gotta just keep experiencing things and keep living life and you know, be where your feet are and don't be afraid to be uncomfortable is a huge thing that Gervais has taught us. And um, you know, if you have a choice to stay safe and stay in your box, and then you have in one hand, you have another choice of being a little bit uncomfortable and growing, always choose the growth and the discomfort. And um, so I'm doing that on a regular basis and it's really fun. And the enthusiasm is just natural because like, oh my God, I've never like looked at life from this perspective. You know, it's, it's so fun. Well, you're a very enthusiastic person. I'm getting this. This (laughs) is coming across. I know. Despite my lack of coffee and, but just, just the awareness like that, that you have an interest in, in wanting to grow speaks volumes, right? It's like most, you know, look, most people, they don't, that doesn't occur to them or, you know, getting out of your groove or your lane is very, very difficult. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm surrounded by people who who are just constantly curious and who are, you know, some of my friends are a little bit older and they're just getting better and better and better and better. And they're in their mid fifties and they're just rock stars and they're better than they were 10 years ago. And so, and I'm listening to a lot of Abraham Hicks, you know, law of attraction. And I just did Laird and Gabby, um, their XPT experience. Insanity. Do it. With Brian too? Yeah. With Brian. Yeah. Excuse me. Brian McKenzie, who I adore. Like I I am. So I bet, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're in your, they're in your head. Was it one of the ones where Wim was there? Is that where you were? No, no, but they walked us through it and it uh-huh. was just so rad i just don't even have the right words for it there's another one in Kauai coming up like all of your mm-hmm. listeners should go but um it's just they're game changer them. they're doing them like it seems like there's one every month really yeah they're i think there's their last one for okay. 2016 at least uh-huh. but i just can't gabby has always been just such a a high point for me and someone who i would definitely love to you know model my life after because she's doing it you know she's been a game changer in her career and in her life and now she's inspiring people to keep getting better in life and laird is laird you know doing the exact same thing as gabby and you know in his turf and he's just he's it It's He's crazy. As legit it's, as it gets. Yeah, it's just crazy who they are and what they do. And they're and together. They stand for. And it's gnarly. And they've gone through, they've gone through, I didn't even turn my <laughs> What a um, rookie. You know, they've gone through it. You right. Know, and they're related. Gabby was my second podcast. <laughs> no way. I didn't listen. Well, we were, I mean, it was episode two, like four years ago. That's so rad. Because I started the podcast, we were living in Kauai and uh, oh, on the North Shore of Kauai. Okay. So they were kind of around or whatever. And I didn't, there was no one else on the island, but there was Gabby. So, and she was, Isn't willing, she so she wonderful? was willing to do it, even though it was like episode two, you know, yeah, which well, was really cool. But anyway. That says a lot yeah, about you. So tell me a little bit more about that XPT. I've had Brian on the show too. Have so, you? Man, I mean, they're just, there's so much wisdom. And I love, like, knowledge is one thing, information is one thing, but there's wisdom in what they give you because they've lived it. And that was my favorite thing about the experience. It's like, I'm living a day in the life of Gabby, Laird, and Brian. And these people do not mess around. And they are so legit and just getting yeah. more and more legit. And so that's why I was so inspired. So, day we did the pool workout. 
where you take um, the, the the rock under underwater. The weights, and, yeah, yeah. We yeah. had some dumbbells under there, and you're you you're working on jumps, and you're swimming across the, you know, you're doing a lap, holding your breath, and trying not to drown, and it's amazing. And they're all pumping you up, and so pull workout, and then we did breathing. Um, and the breathing is so intense. It was like, I saw, I was like euphoric and I've never felt euphoric before, but that's the only word I can come up with. My husband saw a dragon, like there's just some uh-huh. stuff going on, you know, and there's this rad meditation music going on and chanting. Um, and then you have a communal lunch and just, you're sitting by these people who are wanting to change their lives or learn and grow. So all very like-minded people. Mm-hmm but very open-minded as well. And then um, day two, we go up and do stand-up paddle with Laird. I mean, come on, it's mm-hmm. insane. Um, and I'm a huge fear of the ocean. And so that was like what? a big thing for me to How overcome. Oh man, what I grew up near Santa Cruz and it just crushed me, that murky water doing lifeguards. I mean, Jaws, just yeah, the whole bit. In Manhattan Beach long I don't go in the water, man. Really? I don't. That's but I will now. Shame. Gervais took me out a month ago and he like... He, you know, we got to work mm-hmm. and I was so scared, but, um, yeah. So anyway, this experience was just being surrounded by masters who know that there's no end to the progression in life and they, they just are not content sitting still. And what I really loved as well is that they've created the most beautiful lives, their ideal life they're living with their tribe. Like people throw around tribe and I certainly want a tribe in my life. They are a damn tribe. They mm-hmm. do everything together. It's, you know, they just work their ass off. It's for love and there's enthusiasm and um, they trust and love so much. I yeah. love that part. Um, and so, yeah, I just was so inspired for three days up there in Malibu. And if you get a chance, XPT, um, it's just, it's so worthwhile. It's expensive, yeah, but it's, it's a game changer. Expensive. It You learn nutrition, you, you learn workouts. You know, we did a beach workout with Laird. Um, and it's just, it's amazing. Was it the one where, did you stay at Calamigos at that place? We did. That, yeah, and that yeah. place is ridiculous. Really cool, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah, yes. And then we went down to one of their buddies' houses on the beach in Malibu and we did the beach workout. Uh-huh. Um, and was then Darren we paddled. Do you know yeah. He, he, yeah, he gave us a, a talk about water. Uh-huh. So rad. He's a major vegan. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah, are I the know. same. Yeah. And he's gnarly. He's like a Laird lookalike too. He totally kind of, is. You know. But you guys are all so similar and just the, that the, like true, like, the internal drive to like, to know and to get, acquire this wisdom and knowledge. Like Darren, you know, goes to the mountains of Himalaya and he's getting his hands dirty, you know, to find, to source things. He just went to Brazil for like two weeks and went on some crazy super food hunt. And he came back. I just saw him the other day and he's like, oh, you got to check out these like Baru nuts. And like, he had all this crazy stuff and he was so (laughs) excited about it. It's beautiful. And yeah, it's, it's amazing what the the work that he's doing. I mean, just the joy in that too. Yes, Mm -hmm. it is. And they just get dirty with it. This crazy, you know, Olympic gold medalist to go up there and be excited about it and to, you know, come away from that, not only inspired, but with information that you can then implement to continue to grow and progress as an athlete. Oh man, it was a gift. It was a total gift. And I love that we were able to do that. I'm so grateful to them. And we literally are setting up our home gym and all these things inspired by Gabby and Laird. And I want to get a cold tub. No, but I want to. If we lived in Malibu, we could, we just don't have that much space here. But, um, but I believe in all of it, you know, and not that I, and I just want to make it my own too, like learn from them and then get into my rhythm with it. And, um, you know, I don't want to be a carbon copy, but I just want to be inspired by them. Right. That's great. Yeah. Well, in so you of, need to do it. Sorry. Uh, well, yeah, I know I could do it. Well, I, I, I can go do it anyway. I don't need to do oh, just, no, exactly. Like they have, there's a whole, there's a thing in Malibu. Like there's this whole, like kind of, uh, like, um, like 
like group that gets together to work out on Saturdays. And yeah. it's kind of like you need entree to it. And like, it's a whole thing. No goofballs you know I mean? allowed. And like, I've actually been invited into it. And yeah. I've been like scared, like Brian intimidates oh, do me. do it. You know, oh, it's like, so understandable. Just, He's so but now rad. I know. But now like, I actually am like, like we were talking before the podcast, like I've, I've formalized my training and I'm coming yeah. on a program. So I'm, I'm committing now more than I have in, in quite a long time. So it's much more relevant. So I'm, I'm excited for you. Into that, but yeah. Anyway. And you will be so stoked. I mean, just being around them. I mean, you know who they are and yeah. just, they're just so, they're so pure in what they're doing. Um, it's inspiring. Well, to kind of like turn the spotlight back on you. Okay. Minute, this is your podcast. <laughs> okay. In was... terms of being inspiring, you, I mean, you, I'm interested in your thoughts and perspective on being a like role model for young women. Like I'm a father of two young girls and, you know, we live in this crazy reality TV, Kardashian-infused world. And, you know, we're pummeled with marketing and advertising and magazines and whatever that are, um, you know, pushing a very unhealthy uh, image of women onto young people. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and especially in Los Angeles, it's, it's you know, it's, it's freaky to be yeah. a dad of two young women in Los Angeles. And so... I think what you do becomes all the more kind of potent and relevant. And it's beautiful yeah. that, you know, your accomplishments can stand for something and young women can look to you. Well, um, you. And I appreciate that. Like people say, oh, there's no fe strong female role models. Of course there are. There's oh. lots of them, but we just need to do a better job. We're of, just not in the cover yeah, of the magazines. To, <laughs> yeah, we need to do a better job as a culture of highlighting that, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, and you're in a situation where you get a lot of bandwidth every four years, right? And yeah, so how do you ideally how do you think about that and or do you think about that? And you know, how do you you know sort of approach um this idea that you are indeed this role yeah. model figure? You know, I to be honest with you, I I just want to live a good life and I want to be a really good person. And I was, you know, born and raised into that environment and um so I'm not thinking of, of being impactful in any statements that I'm making. I'm not strategizing on how to, you know, to inspire these girls other than just living a really true and honest life to myself. Um, and my daughter's three and a half, so I'm not in that world of the, you know, the teenagers yet, but, um, yeah, I just, it starts early. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I have a, a niece Murphy who she's 10 and yeah, she's feeling it, you know, and, and girls are crazy. Girls are gnarly too. So, mm -hmm. but I just, I don't even know, you know, I just, I'm pretty oblivious to certain things. And I think that's been a blessing in my life. Cause it's just like, I know what I want in life and I know who I want to be. And I, I don't really care. You know, I love looking at those magazines. I'm such a girl in that respect. I love clothes, love all, all these things, but I know what I like, you know, and my, my parents always loved me up and my husband loves me up and tells me I'm enough. And, and more importantly, I feel pretty good about myself. So I love that my sport is empowering. We get a lot of grief for our uniforms and it's right. just, it drives me out of my mind because the last thing I want to be out there is sexy. Um, I love that it's a sexy sport. Like I, bodies in motion to me, regardless of what it is, is beautiful. And there's an element of sex appeal there because it's just beautiful. Um, I was watching football last night and I'm like, why don't these guys get grief about their pants? I mean, come on, you can see everything. <laughs> You know, but it's silly because it's, it's sports performance and it's the same thing for us, you know? So when we get those, those critics out there, I'm just like, you just, you know, come, come do what we do and you'll know, you'll know in a heartbeat. Right. Um, 
So the, the, I appreciate the, the criticism is, oh, this is volleyball light because you're in a bikini and what I, I don't, I, I don't well, know it's just, I'm aware of I've had feminists say you're bringing the woman's movement back. Uh, you know, that. how dare you mm-hmm. um, objectify yourself? And I'm just like, that's the last thing I'm doing. I'm, I'm an empowered, strong woman. You know, let me wear my sports bra and my bikini. If I wear sweats, I'm going to get to, to uh, turf toe because I'm going to trip up and, you know, like, and I'm playing in Brazil, it's 90 degrees. What do you want me to wear? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's just a little bit of ignorance and I just you know if someone wants to wear a string bikini out there and go and be sexy and play beach volleyball who the hell cares you know I don't want to do that but that's okay I'm not going to judge you if people you know we have some girls this past um, Olympics wore shorts and a t-shirt beautiful perfect you know go and do you I love that I don't want to impose myself on anybody I want to be comfortable with where I'm at and I certainly don't want to change who I am because of you know what's out there Right. And that that strong sense of self uh, sort of manifested itself recently in this stand that you took by uh, by choosing not to participate in oh, some tournaments. In the AVP, games, right? yes. AVP, right? Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about what's going on there sure. and kind of the role? Because I think it brings up an interesting thing to explore, which is the role of the athlete uh, and the power of the athlete amidst these organizations that are sort of profiting and making decisions without the input of the very people that make it possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel, you know, I'm really proud of my sport. I'm really proud to play on the AVP. Um, I'm proud of the growth of beach volleyball globally. And I just, what I want to do in my life and certainly with anyone ideally I'm associated with is to have the highest of standards. And the AVP chose to change two pretty significant rules for the last tournament of the year without player input um, and without having like any sort of truly meaningful dialogue. And it just, it really, I was like, I, I can't do that. Um, I tried to talk to them before Rio and this tournament happened a couple weeks after Rio and it just, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. And so I'm like, well, I just, I can't support that. You know, if we're, if you're going to arbitrarily change the rules of our game at any point in time, we're not professional. Like that's, Mm. you know, that's kind of clownish. So, um, I chose to do that. I, you know, it was hard for me. It was hard. It's a huge, it's in Chicago, biggest tournament of the year, um, prize money on the line. I didn't play with my partner. Um, my sponsors were upset. Uh, to a certain extent, but they understood and it's my job. And I, you know, I, I put that on hold and everyone's like, it's so easy for you because you have all these sponsors, you're making money. It's like, that's not how I look at it. You certainly am in a blessed position, but this is my job. And I chose to, you know, stand for the, ideally for the integrity of the sport. Mm-hmm. And I felt really good about that. My husband did as well. Um, I got a lot of emails, a couple emails from athletes when they were in Chicago saying, Carrie, we can't afford to sit out, but we appreciate what you do. Um, but it's, it's a, it was a lonely position. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it's ballsy. Sucks, man. You know? Yeah, it's ballsy. Yeah. But I think, you know, what we're seeing across the board, especially in some of these, you know, more niche sports, you know, aside from football and basketball and all of that, is, you know, an influx of, of money and interest, which is great, yeah. right? And it allows people like yourself to, you know, have, have long careers. Um, but at the same time, when, 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 people are profiting, it, it, it goes without saying that the athlete should have a say in sure. how that grows. And, and, and we have these various sports and organizations that are not, you know, for lack of a better word, like unionized to the extent that athletes are able to give their input. I mean, you see this in professional triathlon, like a lot really? of, and like, you know, athletes getting together, like we should have an organization so that we can like, 
you know, vote or yeah. speak our mind about what's right and what we don't agree with. Truly. But that comes down to the athletes. Like we need to create that, right? right? Because I have no problem with them making money. Go make a boat mm-hmm. ton of money, please. And ideally you give back to the sport and you respect the athletes and everybody. Um, so I don't, I don't mind that. I just, you know, in a perfect world, the athletes would have been like, you're right, let's do this together, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But there's a lot of fear out there and, you know, people are, have their own reasons for playing. And so I don't absolutely don't judge, but I just feel like if, if we, I'm such a fan of corroborate collaboration and teamwork and what's good for one is good for the other and make things work. And so ideally every corporation, every, you know, AVP would be run like that. But, um, I think you have to push for that too. Yeah. And so, so in the wake of taking that stand, did anything change or no, <laughs> not that I know of. Um, I I'm hoping they don't do the rules cause it just, I saw it on TV and it just looked ridiculous. Um, and it was just confusing and our sport is so great enough. It's like, we need to fix our marketing strategy and the way we televise our sport because the Olympics, our sport looks legit, mm-hmm. you know, and then you see the AVP and it's just less because it's a lot of money. NBC doesn't mess around, you know? And so we just need to just change a couple of things, not change the game, but change how we, you know, bring it to the public. And I feel like that'll change things. We don't need to change rules, mm-hmm. especially last minute right. without talking to the peeps. Let's talk a little bit about parenting. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. How does, uh, <laughs> you don't have to. No, I just, my, my, I just, I don't have very good language about any of these things. And then parenting, I'm just like, uh. Well, I'm interested in how, how your experience as an athlete kind of spills into, you know, how you're raising your kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you have kids that are, can you tell if they're athletic minded? Do you, sure. Do you like try to, you know, incorporate that into their day? Like what's your approach to, you know, sort of lots of love yeah lots of love and everything um our kids are physical for sure um so joey is seven son is six scout is three and um they're all just entirely different in how they move and how they attack the game joey and sundance are in sports right now and they could not be more different like joey's joy looks more like casey and i weren't competing we're just like so just intense and aware and just Uh alert and sundance is out there on you know playing soccer and he's like he's like shooting these invisible (laughs) things but then he'll go hard and you know and that's his joy and um and then scouty she just is really physical um and balanced and so it's really cool to see the difference them like growing up I would trip over nothing like I was on the ground bloody all the time mm-hmm. just so so klutzy and Sundance Thomas has that my boy <laughs> so I'm like god bless you babe it's gonna get better I promise but he will do things a million times until he gets it but it takes him a million times to get something whereas Joey gets it from the start you know um, so parenting we just we love to have our kids around as much as possible like my parents did a really good job in planting seeds when I was growing up. They would take me to Stanford. They'd take me to, you know, Giants games. They'd take me to whatever. And I'd be inspired and be like, oh, maybe I want to do that one day, you know? Mm-hmm. And so certainly Casey and I do that in our parenting. Um, so would you go and play? Did the kids come with you? Did they come to Rio? A lot. They, come, they did yeah. not go to Rio right. just because we played at midnight and it's Rio. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want them to get sick. Um, and it would have been a lot of work for my husband and, you know, not fair because yeah. I wouldn't get to see him that much. So they stayed home. But um, yeah, no, they come on the road. When we play AVP, they come on the road a lot and they're so dang cute. And the older they get, you know, at, at some point earlier on, they're like, what are we doing here? We don't want to be at the beach. We're like, come on, <laughs> we're at the beach, suck it up. <laughs> but now they get it a little bit more and uh, during the games they get we it. We don't but like to be at the beach. No. My, my 12-year-old daughter is like, I don't like going to the beach. I'm like, 
what is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> exactly. I grew up on the East Coast. Like, the idea, like, you, you, we can go to the beach. Oh, you're like, so cute. I know we're like, so spoiled. Yeah. It's so crazy. But, like, our kids, I don't know. I mean, your kids are a little bit older. But, like, my kids just want constant engagement with us. We're like, can you just go play a little bit? <laughs> like, go and figure it out. But they, I love that they love us so much. And they just are always on top of us. And, you know, we do a lot together. We do so much together. We don't have, um, the kids, all three are in school. So, you know, they're pretty much taken care of until three. Um, and then it's family time after do that. Do you guys have like help, like nanny or anything like we that? We don't. Do we have a short list yourself? of sitters. Um, mm-hmm. When our kids were young, up until they were one and a half, we had a nanny. Um, Sandra, who's part of our family at this point, she helped us with, with all three kids. But then our kids grew out of us really fast. Like they were in school pretty early. And they've been thriving. And they're in Montessori in those programs. And Joey's in the Catholic school system now. Mm-hmm. which I grew up in and um it's just beautiful you know so I don't I don't have a parenting philosophy other than um just to love them up and to keep them close and to uh to not to you know keep them to standards because I feel like they're so capable and they're so damn smart you know and I want them to know what's right and wrong and they inherently know so I certainly also don't want to be like a taskmaster like I just want to be a guide a guidance system mm-hmm. and I find myself saying no all the time <laughs> And I, I need That's to find a job. better word. Yeah, I that, know, but it's so lame. It's I'm like, I'm crushing your joy, joy right now, but don't do it. You know, like, cause sometimes you have to take a, a spill, you know, like we have this back wall, this retaining wall and our kids love jumping up on it. And, you know, I feel like we just got to let them maybe take a fall once in a while, but I, I agree with that. I don't right? you know, right, but I it's don't... hard. You're like, you're mm. my baby. So it's kind of that. Yeah, but, but I think we're in a culture now where we're a little too overprotective. You certainly. And I think kids yeah. are, are overscheduled and overstimulated. Yes. And you got to just let them be kids. You know? I absolutely agree. Totally. Yeah. And our kids, like they're a little bit slow to the game. Like they just started playing soccer and AYSO. And we're definitely kind of keeping them more time at home than anywhere oh, else the soccer has begun i know soccer but soccer begins. oh my gosh i feel like if you could play soccer you could play anything so i love that it's the first one they got into yeah just that well, footwork it, it you know orients them around around what it's like to be on a team too yeah think, which is really good that's the best part of all yeah yeah um all right cool so we got to wrap this up in a little bit but i want to kind of explore before we shut it down um like this idea of legacy like when you're when it's all said and done, you know, and your athletic career is over, like, what do you, what do you want it to, like, what would you like it to stand for? Like, what does it mean to you? Or do you Shit. not even think about that? I don't think about that. You're just present. And I wish I had a great answer. Because <laughs> that's but an I, important I like, thing to think about. But I, but I like that you're not, you know, calculated. Like, something no. like, oh this is God. what it needs to be. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you're just, you're enjoying your, I get, I get it's very clear that you're just, you're having fun. You know, yeah, which well, is that's cool. good. Like you, you have like this joy <laughs> about your life and what you do. I think it would be very easy for somebody like you to just be like jaded, like, okay, like I got to play four more years. Like, Oh I'm, man, you know? no, it's a choice. Like it's mm-hmm. set, my life is a choice, you know, and I, I signed up to be a parent. I signed up to be married. I signed up to, you know, put myself on the line when I'm playing my sport. Um, so there's not a lot of sacrifice involved. It's like, I'm doing what it takes, mm-hmm. what's required. And the doing of what it takes is a really important, joyful part for me. Cause that's where the growth is. You know, Abraham Hicks quote, she's like the spot from where you are and where you want to be. That's, that's the good stuff of life. And so that's just kind of where I'm at right now with parenting, with everything, with my marriage, with um, my career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't mind getting dirty. I don't, I don't mind, you know, conflict i just i know it all leads to a better place if you believe in that better place and yeah. so yeah 
the Abraham Hicks stuff is out there. I love it. Cool, I know. Though, right? I know being a Catholic, it's really, I, cause I feel like it can resonate with everybody, but it's a little bit hokey to say out loud. Yeah. <laughs> you I know, know to well, try to explain. She's like channeling this, you know, collective conscience yes. or God. Yeah, it's, it's, you know. <laughs> I know, but like it's, she's unfaltering. Like if you ever listen to Esther Hicks speak, like, I have. Uh-huh. There's not like she doesn't waver. There's I have never found a discrepancy ever. Not that I'm not even looking for it. Obviously, if I were, I wouldn't because it's just so constant. So I just believe in it, mm-hmm. and I'm not being sold a bill of goods. You know, I just I want to live a better life, and I feel like she's helped me get on my own way. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to give me happiness. I want to create my own happiness. You know, it comes from within. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have Do you have like are there people that you look to for inspiration or mentorship or are there books that you read? Like as we close this down, like, you know, what are, what are, where do, where do you kind of come down on that? I literally have become a podcast junkie. So your podcast again, thank you. I love it. I love Tim Ferriss. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love Gervais. So those are my three and between you guys, the people, the inspired people that you guys interview, it's just, it's a game changer for me, you know, and it totally is expedited learning. It's total inspiration, you know, in an hour and a half of, of listening. And I love the intimacy of the podcast, you know, like I'm just so immersed in it and it's just, I'm not like making sense of it. I'm listening to it and just, it's hitting something in me and I really appreciate it. I love reading. Um, I just watched Tony Robbins, his documentary, I'm not your guru. And I wasn't familiar with him before. And I just, I was going to go see him in San Jose last week he was in my hometown um but i couldn't make that happen so i'm just you know i'm i'm on the search but ultimately at some point i'll sit down with gervais and i'll make it make sense with myself mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> but i'm inspired by every by everything like truly and then i just have to kind of bring it inside and internalize it and then live it are you so you're still working with michael yes yeah. not enough god i need him mm-hmm. but um i like he's been, everybody needs a little more michael he's I just i mean he's <laughs> he's a gift to this world and he's yeah. like he's the ultimate guide you know, he, he's so unjudgmental. It's gnarly how safe I feel with him. Cause he knows, you know, everything about me, like the darkest parts of me, he knows. And he's like, I'm, you're okay. You're still cool with mm. me. And that's, that's really special. That's and beautiful. we've been through a lot together and, um, yeah, yeah. He's, I'm glad he's on my team. Finding Mastery, everyone check it out. Yeah, everybody check out Finding. I'm always yeah. pushing his podcast. It's so people, damn so. good. Yeah. I just listened to Drew Bledsoe. I, I love that. that I yet. love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you and Mike were cute. I love, I love that. You guys do good. Good. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I could go and do it with him every week, you know. I know, right? So, well, that's interesting. Anyway, yeah, maybe I we know. could do a separate I'd love to do together. one with him because he could help he me make sense it. of my thoughts. He won't. Oh, no. Like him and I sitting here and you talk to us. Oh, right, right, right. I know. I know. I was a little offended by that for a little bit. What do you mean? <laughs> I just took it personally. I'm like, you don't want me on your podcast? He can't. Come on, doc. He totally but, can. He, but but I, res- I respect his point of view for sure. Well, what he's saying is, because I asked him the same question. I was like, yeah, but what if one of your patients wants to do it? Like, they're the ones that sit on that, that privilege. If they want to waive it, like, yeah. you could do it. And he's like, yeah, but then somebody listening to that might not who 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 might want to work with me might feel like they don't they can't because so it jeopardizes be his position. stuff yeah exactly. oh yeah yeah no and i just would feels, never want that my would, gosh just, yeah i can understand it's like it would just be he just can't go there okay you know well thanks so, <laughs> okay i yeah. forgive you doc <laughs> i was i was like what i'm just not ready yet i'm not a master yet which i'm certainly not i don't even know what a master is really but um yeah i took it super personally and then um but I love him so much. So 
There's a purpose behind everything he does. Well, maybe if maybe if we, the three of us do it together, he'll he'll chill out on that. Yeah, I, don't know. I know. We'll Whatever. see. There's a way to make everything work, but it's all right. Yeah, he's. I just, got some more work to he's do. Trying to keep that line intact. That's yeah, right. no, I I don't doubt him. Well, awesome. So uh, this was great. Thank you. Thank you. Really I, cool. You know what? I feel like I was so nervous about doing this because Why? because I don't like I'm a feeling person like. I feel, you know, and to articulate certain things, this is why I'll never be a coach, like articulation of like my methods or my thoughts or my parenting. Like, it's just hard for me because I just feel and then, then I do it, you know? So I hope it wasn't too feely. No, you're being, you're being real. Listen, if you sat down and said, okay, here are the five things that you need to, whatever, <laughs> yeah. like it just it would not ring true. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? No, I just true. appreciate you being open and honest and, yeah. and this was fun and was fun. maybe we can do it again. Thank sometime. you for your patience because yeah. I get a little scattered. Oh, so no, I appreciate it. Totally fine. <laughs> it happened when it was supposed to happen. Sure. You know, so do you have anything coming up right now? Like, are you going on the road or do you have any tournaments coming up or this is just preseason? It's preseason. Kid time. Oh my gosh. Usually preseason starts in February and it just feels wrong to be starting December, but that's okay. Uh So what's the the next big thing? We, I mean, Thanksgiving, Christmas, next big thing in my life. And then after that first tournaments in Fort Lauderdale, um, or first weekend in February, Uh the AVP will be coming up. Um, I'm working on a lot of business stuff that I wish I could talk to you about, but once it's maybe further down the road, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's just right now it's kind of the time for creativity and just kind of getting back to my roots and getting all filled up before the madness starts again. Right. And do you have any tournaments that are going to be in LA? I want to come and watch Manhattan beach, yeah, the granddaddy. That? Usually it's in August. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. So yeah, let me know. All right. And then Long Beach, Long Beach is a grand slam. The whole world is here. The best in the world are here. And oh, that's cool. usually end of July. Awesome. So that wouldn't be great too. Yeah. Are you going to write a book? I, oh, my God. About what? <laughs> about what? About what? About oh, what? Geez. That's the best answer ever. <laughs> about what? Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. You should. Yeah. I had this thought, and I really, you know who Paulo Coelho is, right? The uh-huh. alchemist. Yeah. I was like, I really want to get in touch with him and I want him to do my life story, but like in the alchemist framework. So it's like a fable and there's lessons and it's whimsical and sweet. Cause that would get me out of writing it, and then it would just be rad. Cause uh-huh. he's rad. Cause I like his storytelling. That's but cool. Wouldn't that be a cool idea? That would be cool. I don't know why I would deserve that, but I would. I kind of want to pursue that, and he's impossible to find for me. Yeah. Yeah. He was on Tim Ferriss's podcast, I think, wasn't he? He. I think it was by. Yeah. 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 I think he was in so Switzerland. There's a, there's a way. He's a Brazi in Switzerland, so uh-huh. I gotta. I can you might track have him to down. fly there. I don't. I don't mind that. All right. Well, Paulo, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got to be a fan of yours. Cool. So, all right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, for people that want to connect with you on Twitter, Carrie Lee Walsh. Yes. Is that the All best across place? the board, I believe. You're just, yeah, everywhere, right? So yes, follow Carrie her. Lee Walsh. It should be Jennings. It drives me crazy. It's not Jennings, you but. Can, can you change it? It's I implied. You can't change it once you have No, it. it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, but when you're an Olympic athlete, you probably could. Oh, well, there you go. So I'm not working hard enough? Is that what you're telling me? I will. Thank you. (laughs) Gosh. I need to be my kid's mom, my husband's wife. Uh, Awesome. Cool. All right. Thanks, thanks Rich. Peace. All right. So how like super fantastic is she? Just absolutely delightful, right? Amazing. What a beautiful human being. I hope you guys enjoyed that. As always, please make a point of checking out the show notes on the episode page for this episode at richroll.com for all kinds of links and resources to take your infotainment, your education, your edutainment uh, beyond the earbuds. Uh, Thank you so much for 
sharing the show with your friends and on social media for telling your colleagues for bugging your mom about it if you haven't done so already please leave a review on itunes and make sure you click that subscribe button and once again uh, just a friendly reminder to check out the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com. You can find that banner ad on any episode page. Click through, buy whatever you're going to buy for your holiday gifts. doesn't cost you anything extra, but uh, helps us out a lot. So thanks so much. If you're interested in receiving a free short weekly email from me called Roll Call every Thursday, uh, I send that out to you to grace your inbox. Uh, you can sign up at richroll.com. Basically, it's just five or six things that I've enjoyed over the course of the week, uh, perhaps a documentary, the book that I'm reading, an article I came across, a video on YouTube, uh, a recipe. I've been sharing a couple smoothie recipes. So if that sounds like something you might dig, uh, make a point of signing up for it. You can do that on my website in multiple locations. Also, if you're looking for uh, a gift, a signed copy of Finding Ultra or Plant Power Way might fit the fit the bill or perhaps a cool Plant Power t-shirt. You can find all our merch and swag at richroll.com. I want to thank everybody who helped put on the show today, produce the show today. Jason Camiolo for audio engineering and production. Sean Patterson, as always, for his artistry on graphics. Chris Swan for additional production assistance and help compiling all the show notes and links and resources and theme music by Analemma. Thanks for all the love, you guys. Hope you guys are enjoying this beautiful holiday season, and I will see you back here soon. Peace. Plants. Yeah.